0: It's football season, time for the Gridiron Breakdown. Your host,
1: RJ. When was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid doing chemistry experiments? Alan? You play football like engineer, played football. Let's
0: get to the breakdown. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown, where we get you ready for the college football action every week. We also talk about the NFL. We're going to do both of those things tonight because, Alan, the regular season as we know it is over, my man. We got through week 14, and rivalry week did not disappoint. No, there were some, some good games.
2: I picked most of them wrong. Um, you know, the big news was Alabama lost a, what was a classic Iron Bowl. It was a fantastic game. Uh, Alabama had too many penalties and too many turnovers, and just, you know, they allowed Auburn to hang around and take care of business. Big win for Auburn and Gus, and, uh, you know, we also have to talk about the actual beatdown that Ohio State put on Michigan. Poor Jim Harbaugh.
0: You know, man, I'll say this. Michigan hung in that game for a while, and they had a sequence of things go wrong for them that turned the game. Now, I don't know that they would have ever stopped Ohio State because they just weren't doing that early, but they were moving the ball on them. They were throwing the ball down the field on them and making stuff happen, and then they got a false start penalty on like a fourth down and go or something, and and from there, everything went wrong that could go wrong. They gave you know, points, they turned the ball over, and they just got behind too many scores. and even when Justin Fields went out of the game for a couple plays, he comes back in, rolls to his left, and fires a strike in the end zone. I mean, I don't don't know what else Michigan could have wanted to do. They played about as good as they could on offense, but for like the – I don't know, the second year in a row in particular, they have been absolutely blown out by Ohio State's offense. And Michigan's defense is good, but they have no answer for that offense up there. Well, this is what
2: I think it really comes down to. Michigan has a good defense but the speed that Ohio State possesses is much better than anybody else in the entire Big Ten. Um, so I think they're not tested against that speed in Ohio State. I mean, they pound the ball with Dobbins, but he's also got that breakaway speed, and they've always got receivers. Um, so, you know, Ohio State rolls. Clemson rolled. Um, Georgia rolled, but decided they wanted to get in a fist fight at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, what a dumb move by George Pickens. I mean, Cager's already out probably for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. That's their top receiver. So Pickens is the next guy up and is a real threat. And in a game where they're up like 38-7, to seven, just has to start you know throwing hands with the DB in the end zone. And so he's going to sit out half of the uh, SEC Championship this week. Also, DeAndre Swift gets a shoulder injury. Now, he's expected to play, but I mean, how I've seen good running backs going to the SEC Championship game, Allen, with shoulder problems. It doesn't work out real well for you. Uh, so, yeah, Georgia won, but kind of a pyrrhic victory there. You mentioned Clemson. We talked about Auburn taking out Alabama, and you know the the craziness that that game was. But I mean, let's face it: Iron Bowls and Jordan hare are always crazy. Like if the Iron Bowl is sort of normal, it's because it happens in Tuscaloosa. The Iron Bowl in Auburn is always weird, and it's just the vortex of that little town and everything. And having lived there as long as I did, I can say that. Uh, I mean, you know, you had uh, some other big games around the, around the country. I mean, Penn State for a little while let Rutgers think they might actually win a football game, and then they turned on the gas and beat them. Mm-hmm into the ground uh, like they were supposed to and you know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State I gotta give it to Oklahoma man they, they let Chuba Hubbard get yards but he didn't get that big breakaway play on him. and Oklahoma just ran the football they only threw it like 15 times and they just said we're getting out of this game and getting on to Baylor next week Baylor did style points on Les Miles and uh I gotta say what was kind of a it's a bit of a cheese move, but I, it was it was the way to play to the crowd. Joe Burrow comes out for senior night at the LSU, and he gets him to respell the back of his name in the you know the Cajun French style Burrow or whatever, and you know points to the uh, the the back of the jersey, and then they go out there and absolutely light up Texas A and M. So LSU took care of business, and uh, you know, and uh, one of the rematches we'll get for uh, championship weekend, we got to see Memphis take out Cincinnati in a good game. So there, there was good football all around, and I. Alan, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the Thanksgiving nightmare that was the Egg Bowl and how uh, a single play cost Ole Miss not only a game, but cost Matt Luke his job, it seems.
2: Well, you know, I've seen teams, you know, figuratively piss away games, but I've never seen anybody literally piss away a game. But now I've seen that. And, uh, yeah, Matt Matt Luke is... uh, you know, in the welfare line, Jay, you know, you're talking about how Oklahoma just ran the ball. You can't talk about somebody running the ball last weekend without talking about Kentucky. Their quarterback ran for over 270 yards. They dropped over 500 rushing yards on Louisville It just absolutely dump trucked them.
0: Yeah, and they only did it on like 30 or 40 carries. It would be one thing if they were doing like Army and like 78 plays of running the ball to get to that yard, but they were just getting chunk plays, and I was surprised by that because I thought Louisville could hold up a little bit better, but they weren't able to, so they won the the you know the Governor's Cup there in Kentucky. So yeah, Rivalry Week produced a lot of fun. I don't know that there were a ton of surprises per se, uh, but it was a lot of fun and a lot of football, and it was, it was a heck of a way to end a regular season, and you know, as we record this, it's on the same night that they were release the next round of playoff rankings, but let's face it, none of that matters until you know this coming Sunday when they're going to release the final ones and we get all the bowl lineups and stuff like that. So uh, we'll spend a lot of time thinking about that tonight. We do want to update the picks. Uh, you, know, you didn't miss all of them, Andy. You went 9-5 over the 14 picks. 0-2 uh, in, in the danger zones, but those were both stretches. You did a pretty good job trying to get out of those. You're 110-49 on the year. I went 11-3 and three last week, so I'm 108-51. So i got to pick three games different than you somehow along the way to try and catch you because it's our last week of official picks here uh, because we won't count the Army Navy game or the bowl games in the picks record. So uh, you know, not a not a bad uh, year uh, for either of us, honestly, man. When you're when you're two up over above where you miss, I think that's pretty good. No, I
2: mean I, I think we did a good job. You know, Colorado State almost pulled off that upset on Friday. They didn't have enough juice in the tank there at the end, but yeah, Oregon took care of business. They, they were kind of angry. And, uh, took out their frustrations on Oregon State.
0: Yeah, they weren't able to get a lot of points, but they just weren't going to let Oregon State do anything in that game. And, you know, that it was a smart move for Oregon to get out of that. They know where they're heading this week, and we're going to talk about that game in just a bit. So I think, Alan, let, let's go ahead and get into conference championship weekend. The way we're going to do this, we've picked two of the conference championships as the featured games because they're the ones that have teams involved that are going to figure to be in that discussion for the number four spot in the playoffs. So we're pretty sure some combination of Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU is going to be one, two, three, uh, depending on how even even if you know, a couple of those teams lose. Uh, but Oregon and Utah and Baylor and Oklahoma are going to really be playing for that number four spot, and I decided let's go all the way out west because it's the first one. It's Friday night, the Pac-12 championship. Oregon is taking on Utah, and that is the game you drew from the hat.
2: Yeah, Jay, and I just released the college football playoff rankings. Utah comes in at five, um, so they appear to be the, the – team in the driver's seat here if they can get a win, and assuming LSU wins. Utah's been a team that's been carried by its defense. They're only giving up 11.3 points a game and holding teams under 250 yards. Jay, Utah only gives up 56 yards per game on the ground, which is almost unheard of. They do lack a signature win. Their strength of schedule is not that great. Uh, So this would definitely be the best win of the season. They have a nice win over Arizona State. That win keeps looking better and better. There's no doubt that this defense could probably slow and stifle uh, Oregon, much like Arizona State did. You know, the real question is, can Huntley and Moss, can they get it rolling against a really good Oregon defense? And can they do it with enough style to crash the college football playoffs? Huntley's very efficient. He's only got two INTs this year, 16 touchdowns, over 2,700 yards. Moss is is a workhorse. You know, he was hurt that game. They lost at USC. But he's had a great year, over 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns. And as a team, they average over 450 yards. They're very split evenly, almost 50-50 if you look at the yardage breakdown. Um, you know, this team doesn't do anything flashy, but it works. They play defense. They pound the rock. They play action, and they just kind of strangle you to death. Uh, Oregon had their dreams of a college football playoff killed in the desert a couple of weeks ago. And Oregon's defense has been really good, only giving up 331 yards a game and only 15 points a game. That's the key. They're not letting people score. Jay, they're, they're up to in the top 10 of the country in sacks and turnovers. They have 35 sacks. They force 21 turnovers. They have an offense that's led by a future first-round pick in Justin Herbert, who has 31 touchdowns and only five interceptions and over 3,000 yards. He's been really efficient and really take care of the ball. And it's even more impressive because he's done it with a revolving door of receivers. I mean, they've had so many guys hurt and injured and out for the season that he's really just, you know, had so many different guys he's had to throw to. Uh C.J. Verdell is a good back, but he struggled at times. Uh, he's been shut down, and he only has about 900 yards and really had not been the dynamic game-changer they'd kind of hoped for. You know, th- this is one point. Oregon struggled against the two really good defenses they played, Auburn and Arizona State. Oregon will need to force some turnovers and cash those in against a really stingy Utah defense. Jay, Utah isn't sexy but they've just got it done, and i got got a feeling they're going to get it done again. I like Utah to win 27-17 to 17 over Oregon.
0: I think you've laid it out really good there, man, and lots of good information there. And the thing I know about Utah is this. They play games in a box, and they make you play in a box. And when you get in the box with them, it is going to be a fight. They are such a physical team up front defensively. They put pressure on the backfield. They disrupt all the timing for you. And then offensively, they just pound the ball. I mean, Tyler Huntley's super efficient with the football. Uh, Herbert is too, but he can be a little wonky sometimes if you can get in his face, as Arizona State proved. And I just got to tell you, man, Oregon has had a mass amount of injuries through the year, and and they're starting to mount up, and they're starting to count against them. I think they're going to count against them this week too. I just think Utah is the better football team when it comes down to it. They're playing smart ball. They lost a game to USC, which is kind of a head-scratcher, but that USC offense at times could be a real problem. I don't think Oregon's going to be able to move the ball on them like that. I like Utah in this one in a low-scoring defensive battle to win it 20-16, to and I think if they can do that, they're, they are definitely deserving of consideration in the playoff ranking. So we go to the next conference championship that's going to weigh in and that's the Big 12 championship. And we get that one on noon ABC Saturday morning. So I mean, it's like the two that matter the most, you're going to get back to back almost. So, you know, we'll, we'll know what's going to happen with these teams. Then they met before and Baylor had a 28 to three lead on Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma, slowly but surely, started to chip away and chip away and chip away at that. And Oklahoma's defense put the clamps on Baylor. And the next thing you know, Jalen Hurts is leading touchdown and field goal winning drives down the field. And Oklahoma comes back to get it. So I broke this one down a little differently. I did like three keys for each team. Keys for Baylor to win this thing. They've got to keep the Oklahoma defense on the field. Because as improved as Oklahoma is on defense, the more they have to play, it's going to tap into their depth. They're going to get tired. So Baylor's got to keep them on the field. And that's going to be weird because Baylor likes to sling the ball around a lot with Charlie Brewer, and, I mean, who, who could blame him? He's a good, efficient quarterback. But what they really need to do is get John Lovett and Jamichael Hasty to do damage on the ground. Oklahoma's given up 140-plus yards rushing per game. They need to let those guys run. Brewer's the third option in the run game. So it's, it's keeping Oklahoma's defense on the field. It's getting that running game going, and they've got to create mistakes. By adding pressure and contain on Hurts. Because it's not just enough to blitz that dude. He'll take off and run. I mean, he's the primary running option for for Oklahoma. They got backs too. But really, it's going to be Jalen Hurts. They got to keep pressure on him and contain on him. And it's not that he's going to throw a ton of interceptions and he's only thrown six all year. And it's not he's going to fumble a bunch or something like that, but he'll make bad throws. He'll throw one in the dirt. He'll sell one into the stands, and that'll you know, force Oklahoma into punting the ball back, give Baylor extra opportunity. That's what Baylor needs to do. For Oklahoma – They got to keep Jalen Hurts clean and let him do his work on the ground in the air. So if that's rolling him out to keep that pressure off of him, giving him simple, um, you know, high percentage throws to make, got to do that and get the receivers involved in the game, whether CD Lamb can go 100% or not. They got to make Charlie Brewer really uncomfortable by forcing him into second and third and long. So if they can take away the the first down run option and really put them behind the sticks and make him throw deep, he will turn the ball over. They can make a problem. And the other thing Oklahoma's got to do is they got to stop this whole come-from-behind business. Build a lead and then protect it. They're much better off to do that, kind of like what they did with Oklahoma State this last week. If they can do that again, they're going to win the game. So how's it going to go down? It's really hard to beat somebody twice in one season. But Oklahoma's got the stuff to do it because they're so good on the ground. They can get enough through the air. I think they're going to be able to to get those yards against that Baylor defense. They did it before. I don't see why they can't do it again. I'm going to take this one to Oklahoma 31 and Baylor 27.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I really struggled with picking this game. I mean, we've already seen it once, and it's hard to beat a team twice. But I do think Oklahoma has a little bit more weapons. They have the confidence. And, you know, what type of mental state is Baylor in after that collapse in Waco? It's going to be a tougher game in Dallas, a split crowd. i like Oklahoma to win 34-31. to 31.
0: All right, so we both like Utah and we both like Oklahoma. We'll see what happens in this next extended lightning round. But before we do that, Al, we're going to take a break for a minute. Let our man Brian come in and talk a little bit about the NFL. You know, Brian, we skipped week 12 because it was rivalry week in college football, had a lot of games to talk about, but, you know, not a lot changed in the standing, so I knew we could catch up with you this week as we rounded the last quarter of the season, and, uh, you know, man, the playoff pictures are starting to shape out a little bit, and uh, there, of course, a lot of coaching hot seat news, too.
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of coaching hot seat uh, news that we speculated last time we got together has kind of calmed a little, especially when we're talking about Miami. I mean, they have won three of their last five games after looking like they were just tanking the whole season. And Flora, as you thought, was in the hot seat there. I kind of thought he wasn't just based on what was going on. But now I think he's probably secured himself another year at least by winning these last these three games recently
0: yeah uh, i think the uh, seat under jason garrett uh, has gotten hotter and hotter or maybe like non-existent
1: like i don't even think he knows he doesn't have a seat to sit down anymore so uh, well i mean you got to think about that too i don't know man i as much as he should probably be fired because let's face it the cowboys they aren't that good um but jerry jones doesn't fire people very often and they're in first place still even though they suck
0: Exactly. Well, he's not going to do it during the season for sure, but maybe beyond that. I think Ron Rivera's days in Carolina are numbered. I mean, they're falling apart, and then they lose to Washington last weekend, who's a terrible football team and with an interim coach already. (laughs) I I just think, like, look, the guy's done great stuff here, but I just think that the run is over here in in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I thought uh, you know, he had a good opportunity to show – what he had in his quarterback, and it's not looking pretty. So, <laughs> no, and
0: it and it also looks like Anthony Lynn might be done in in uh, L.A. for the the Chargers, which is unfortunate because I I think he's got some good stuff there. Maybe they will be patient and kind of hit the reset, but uh, I, I don't know, man. It it just doesn't look good out there. There's a lot of a lot of teams just
1: struggling right now
0: that you thought yeah. were going to be good, you know.
1: Yeah, and I hope that the the Chargers don't fire him per se. I know the odds are really against him sticking on, but I I think that they just need to let Philip Rivers retire and try their luck at someone else at quarterback before letting him or giving him the axe, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's really his fault. I just think you've got an aging quarterback, and Rivers has kind of gone up and down over the last several seasons. He had a really good one last year uh, for a while anyway. And then this year's just been disastrous. I think it's just time to maybe for the Chargers to move on. I believe his contract is up at the end of the year. I don't think they should renew it. And I think that they should give this guy a shot with a new quarterback to see what he can do with that because it's still Phillip Rivers' team.
0: I agree with you. And look, Philip has made no buns about it. He's not really interested in promoting that team's move to Los Angeles. Uh, so I, I think they probably will make that move. But you know, that's the kind of the coaching side, Brian. Let's talk about the current standings and in terms of uh, you know, how we think they're going to do and what's what's looking for the playoffs here. And I guess let's start with the NFC. So right now, as it stands, San Francisco is your top seed. Uh, then you've got New Orleans at two, and they're both ten and two at this point and new Orleans has already clinched their division and I think San Francisco could do that with like another win then you've got Green Bay at three Dallas is at four because like we've said they're leading the NFC East which is just terrible this year they're at six and six and then you've got Seattle at nine and two and Minnesota at eight and three and they're actually playing tonight while we're recording this on Monday night so they're the five and the six and then I guess in the hunt you've got the Rams and Chicago still but I mean are either of those teams
1: really a threat? Uh, To me, I would say no, not really. And we do need to to preface that San Francisco is going to need to win two or three more uh, the rate it's going, depending on the outcome of tonight's game as we record with the Vikings leading at halftime currently. But if Seattle comes back and wins this game – they will be in first place of that division because they have the tiebreaker currently against San Francisco. So that's there's a lot shaking up there. That's a division to watch to see who comes out on top there. San Francisco just took a loss this past weekend. Uh, so it, it could go either way. The way the Seahawks are playing, especially Russell Wilson, you just never know. Now, if the Vikings pull off the win here tonight, uh, that cements them as the— five seed currently because they will have the tiebreaker over seattle they'll have the same record as seattle at nine and three if they win and they'll also be tied with the packers who have the current tiebreaker but that can change when they meet in a couple weeks as well so it's really interesting the 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 seating is not even close to to finish here you may want to crown new orleans and san francisco but we can't yet because the teams that are right behind them are not that far away from them they're game behind so it's not like they're they're running away with anything like right here they look like better teams at least new orleans looks like the best team right now in the nfc as far as that goes however um they're only one game ahead of everyone else so that's a tight one the nfc is really really fun to watch right now because the teams that are at the top are all playing really good football
0: I mean, there's definitely a stack of good teams. New Orleans has clinched their division, so they are definitely, Correct. you know, they're going to win that. So that at worst, I think they might wind up to three if they start dropping some games and stuff. You're right about Seattle and San Francisco. I mean, you know, lives can change very dramatically tonight if Seattle can go ahead and and win and and keep winning. They're going to have to play San Francisco again. The San Francisco' just got one better game on them, but in the head-to-head, Seattle's already beat them. And then Minnesota's playing really good football right now, man. The last month and a half, they they've turned it around. Green Bay on the Their hand trying starting to slide off a little bit, not playing as good a football. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up as we go, but I I think we both agree, man. I don't think Chicago nor the LA Rams are really going to threaten to get in the playoffs. I I know that the Cowboys are going to win their division, at least I'm pretty sure they are, because Philly is awful and New York and Washington are are already totally out of it. But, uh, you know, Dallas may win that thing with seven and nine or something like that, which is going to be a travesty and they'll still be the four seed or something, Uh, but they'll. Get waxed in the first round and it won't matter. But I just, I just, I just don't see LA like putting together enough consistency, man. Because we talked about it. Jared Goff's just been awful this year. I mean, he really has, and they just can't get anything going on offense, and it puts too much strain on their defense. And then, I mean, I saw that game where Baltimore completely eliminated Aaron Donald from a football game. I didn't know that was possible to do, but they found a way to do
1: it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) With the Rams, they should be so much better than they are. They really should. And it's almost a shock that they're at seven and five. I mean, really, it's a shock that they're doing as well as they are. Um, But you said it, they're so inconsistent. Goff either comes out and plays really well, or he doesn't play hardly at all. And that's just how it's been. And it's kind of crazy. But um, I don't know. I, I really Don't see them getting past Seattle or San Francisco, and based on the way that the other the two wildcards currently, Minnesota and Seattle, are playing, and looking at their their schedules the rest of the way, I don't see that shifting either. So. I'm with you. I think that we know right now what the NFC playoffs are going to be, what they are. It's just a matter of what seeds they're going to take. And unless something major happens, like a quarterback goes down or, you know, your leading guy goes down. So if the Vikings lose, say Dalvin cook, it might affect them if they use lose Kirk Cousins, it's definitely going to affect them. And that's fun to say right now, because at the beginning of this season, people were out for Kirk Cousins he- head He's the highest rated quarterback in the NFL right now.
0: That is the highest, wild. That is he's wild the highest rated quarterback.
1: And yeah. right behind him is Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if one of those go down, then I can see a little shift, but I don't see that happening. So I think we got our six, you know, playoff teams set for the <laughs> NFC. When we get to the AFC, different conversation but i think these six that are currently in the spots they are are going to be the teams that go yeah i agree unless something drastic happens the only the only caveat is that and that nfc um east division because the way dallas is playing they could lose out here and philadelphia just needs to win a couple games to take that uh, it could happen, man. it could
0: it could, I mean Dallas is in free fall, that's for sure, but I think we're right though, because here's the thing, man, I just don't trust Philly that you talk about a team that can't keep anything together man they they really can't. And I just don't expect them to be able to keep that up. So I'm going to lean Dallas to go ahead and win that still, even though they're not very good. And then, you know, those will be our six NFC teams. But the NFC is very stacked. I mean, there's four teams in there. I would say, you know, San Francisco, New Orleans, Minnesota, Seattle, maybe even throwing Green Bay. I mean, you got five teams that could really make a legit run through the playoffs and might be able to get into a Super Bowl. So that'll be fun to watch as we get get down to the stretch here. Uh, Because, I mean, really the top two teams, too, when you look at them they're doing it very differently i mean new orleans is really all about the offense they have a pretty good defense too but they score a lot of points and they just put a lot of pressure on you that way san francisco just squeezes you with that defense and they just play ball control offense uh, which right. is awesome you know right and so i i think they you know they, they're going <laughs> to they're going to have to uh, it's going to be a lot of work to get one of those teams off the field once it's said and done. I do think those are your top two teams, but it can be done. So the NFC's you're know, pretty well set, but the the, the seeding is different. The AFC man's a little bit different. So Baltimore's on top right now at ten and two. New Orleans is also uh, not New Orleans. New England is at ten and two as well, and they're the two seed. You've got Houston, who's leading the AFC South right now at eight and four. Kansas City is leading the West uh, at eight and four. You got Buffalo at nine and three, which man, talk about a surprise team. They've done oh, yeah. incredibly well at five, and then Pittsburgh's at seven and five with Tennessee nipping on their heels at seven and five as well, trying to fight for that final wild card. And then you've got Oakland and Indianapolis both at six and six, but I don't think either one of those teams are really going to make it. And then Cleveland's at five and seven, and they're they. Kinda of look like they're going out they just waited too long to start playing decent football. So you know, AFC, there's a big difference between those top two teams and then everybody else.
1: Oh, definitely agree with that. Uh well and I, I would even say Kansas City deserves to be in the discussion. Their record is eight and four, but you gotta remember that Mahomes is out a few games and that hurt them. Um So, I I would still put them in the conversation with New England and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think that the AFC South, the team that comes out of there, Houston or Tennessee, those are dangerous teams. Those are very dangerous teams. Uh, They're playing lights out right now, both squads. You know, the move from Mariota to Ryan Tannehill has been like oil and water for the Tennessee Titans. Before that, both of us were thinking, you know, 500 team. No no doubt about it. Once they made that move, Tannehill has ignited that offense, which needed something because that was the downfall for that team. Yeah. And so they've not done nothing but win. They're th- three straight wins now for Tennessee. And even in the loss, they played pretty good. So uh, they're nipping at the heels of the Houston Texans. But Houston came out last night and uh, just lit the, <laughs> lit the floor with uh, the Patriots. It was quite an – A spectacle. I mean, Deshaun Watson, wow. Uh
0: <laughs> yeah, what, yeah what he and Lamar Jackson are doing is so fun to watch. You don't know how sustainable it is, but it is fun to watch these guys that can just be so athletic and look like they're having so much fun and the way that their teams deploy them too. Yeah. I mean they they throw them out wide, they're running double options to them. I mean i I watch that triple option play where New Hopkins gets the you know the reverse and he's he's the quarterback and pitches it to Deshaun to run in. And uh, you know, I I will say this though, man, and I, I think just because I've seen it so many times everybody's like oh man i don't know if the patriots can keep this up or whatever like they seem to do this every year where they just uh-huh. screw around for about a month and a half and then all of a sudden in late december their offense ignites they their turn it it, up. yeah and their defense has been really good this year that was like the worst game they've had <laughs> last yeah. night they've been good if that offense ever turns it on at, at on any level man that's still going to be a very dangerous team. I'm just, I'm just going to be one of those that like I'm going to have to see them get beat to believe that they're not still the team to touch in the AFC.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I still think that Baltimore and New England are your two teams to beat in this division. I think that's what's going to be your AFC title match unless something drastic happens. But that said, I, I don't want to face a Tennessee team who's on fire right now. I don't want to face a Buffalo Bills team who, I mean, they're playing much better than than anyone thought they would at this point and Josh Allen give him credit he's turned into one heck of a quarterback for them this year uh after what I thought I thought he was going to be nothing in this league but uh credit where credit is due he's he finds ways to score he finds ways to win so props to him there I don't want to face either of those two teams in the playoffs and Pittsburgh doesn't scare me in the least um, I just I they they have a mess at quarterback they have a running back different every week because Connor can't get his butt healthy. Uh they don't know who to throw to anymore. Uh it's it's ridiculous. How they're winning, I'm not quite even sure, to be honest with you. Uh but they're they're finding ways to win. I just they they don't scare me in the playoffs at all. And uh Kansas City I think is really good, but they've shown vulnerability, so We'll have to wait and see. I still think the top two teams to beat are going to be New England and Baltimore. But if I'm the other two teams here, I don't want to play a Tennessee or a Buffalo in the first round.
0: Yeah, I mean, what about Buffalo, man, at 9-3? and What they've been able to piecemeal and put together here, that's an incredible coaching job by Sean McDermott and his staff. Like They really have... Overperformed. I didn't think they'd be able to get nine wins this year, and I mean they're probably going to end up winning eleven games or so. And that's a heck of a performance to come in uh, when you're in the same division as New England, and you don't have dynamic players. I mean, Josh Allen is getting th- stuff done with his with his legs, and they're, you know they're getting a running game going and stuff with Frank Gore, but they don't have much of a passing attack. But I mean, defensively they're playing good and. Uh, they're getting enough out of the O. I mean that that's an impressive job for
1: the Buffalo Bills this year. It's amazing, you know. I, and like you said, Josh Allen is finding ways to either score himself or find the right guy to make the the uh, the, the the point to get the points for them. And I do got to say that I think that what is uh, you know really good for. um Buffalo right now is that this uh, Singletary, the running back, is really coming into the game here. Now Gore is getting up there in age, right, and he could still pound that ball. And so, no, n- no disrespect to Frank Gore, but they found a guy I think in in Devin Singletary that could be their running back of the future. He showed some spark uh, this past uh, weekend, and you know, I, I I I I'm expecting good things from this guy. So if they can get him going and they can keep Josh Allen. Accurate—that's the, the key. There, they're going to be a threat too, and and I like what Buffalo is doing right now. And like you said, to me, they always start off hot, right? They always start with like a five and zero or six and zero start, and then fade. This year, they haven't faded, so props to them.
0: You're right about that run game and Devin Singletary's a real set. I mean, I remember watching him in college and, and that dude was going to be a good player and I I think you're exactly right. They've got the veteran in gore to kind of keep the leadership going and can be the you know the short yardage back and stuff like that and then Singletary can get things going in the open field. And I mean, again, Josh Allen doesn't play pretty, but he's kind of getting the job done. So at this yeah. point, what, what can you, how can you knock it? They're getting what they can out of it. I don't think the Bills are any threat to win the Super Bowl but you know what they might ruin somebody's playoff I mean they they really could upset a team and stuff like that I do want to talk to you about about Baltimore for a minute because we talked a little bit about New England man I I want to believe that like this team is the the team that can really win the Super Bowl this year like I I think they they could do it but there's just something about them dude that I don't know man I, I just I have a hard time believing it completely tell me what I what I'm not seeing
1: I'm not sure what you're not seeing because uh, they they have eight straight victories, uh, which is amazing on itself, and you know Deshaun Watson is insanely good. Um, now JJ Watt is injured, so that doesn't help them on the defensive side of things. But if your quarterback is throwing, you know, forty points a game for you. Maybe that's not a big, big deal. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, uh, he's showing that he is a versatile quarterback, which is what they really needed out of him. Uh, he and Deshaun Watson both are showing that they're diver- diverse quarterbacks. They're not just leg quarterbacks. And people were worried about uh, Lamar Jackson and his size, right? He came in, I think, at a buck eighty-five or something like that, really skinny for a quarterback. Uh, and they were worried if he got hit by these big linebackers that could do some damage, but he's shown he's resilient. He's able to re- make reads. He's able to, you know, whip that ball down the field and he's able to make plays with his legs as well. And he's not afraid to. So, um, yeah, I think part I really of that like is, is, is like
0: hitting a guy like that is one thing, but you got to catch him first. And that's, but the problem Absolutely. is it's, he, it's not that he's like outrunning everybody because he is fast and stuff, dude, but he is just so elusive. And I mean, I kind of knew he was shifting everything from watching him play at Louisville. And stuff, but he's throwing moves on out there. He looks like a point guard almost running down the court. And and like I say, I don't know how long term sustainable that is, but it sure is fun to watch right now. And and but, when yeah. they need him to make throws, man, he makes throws. He makes plays with his arm too. And yeah. I'm I'm having a lot of fun watching him. And I mean secretly In my head, I know I'm like, this is probably going to want to be like the Patriots and, you know, the 49ers in this game or the Patriots and the Saints or something. But part of me really wants us to get some of these young, exciting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and and see what happens. I think it would be fun for the league. I I think it'd be good for the league, too, man, because that's one thing
1: this league needs is a little fresh air wouldn't I don't disagree at all I think it would be kind of fun to see uh, what a Lamar Jackson or even a Deshaun Watson can do in a Super Bowl Uh, even Ryan Tannehill I mean the hit on Ryan Tannehill has never been that he's not a good quarterback it's been that he's super injury prone right and you could blame that probably a lot on the offensive line of Miami not protecting him enough and causing him to get injured Uh, for some reason the Titan Titans offensive line which we both agree isn't that great, um, have done a great job of keeping him upright and not getting him sacked and in and- Positions where he could get injured, and he's produced. So I mean, things like mm-hmm. that. I'd love to see any of those quarterbacks get to the Super Bowl and and play against a, a Jimmy Garoppolo or yeah. you know someone like that who's young and hasn't had a chance to uh, get in there and, and show what it's worth. Instead of seeing you know Breeze or Brady getting in there again, you know it'd be nice to have some of these younger guys. Kirk Cousins even is still a young guy compared to the, all these other guys. Yeah. Um, so who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. But uh, what I just love about Lamar Jackson is, you know, people want to compare him to RG3. I think it's a total different thing. You know, Mm -hmm. he is much better, much more poised in the pocket. He knows how to make the right reads and the throws, and he only has to run when he needs to, you know, and he makes good decisions. Uh, RG3 was a run first, throw second quarterback, and that's what was his downfall. Um, Lamar doesn't seem to be the same way. He will run if he has to. But he will try and find the right read and make the right play first. And I like that about him. Yeah,
0: and Greg Roman's done a good job as offensive coordinator building that offense around him. It's going to be a lot of fun to see this end of the NFL season play out here. So, okay, I was going to put it to you, Brian. If you had to pick today, tell me who you think are going to make those wild card spots in the AFC and the NFC and who's going to be left out.
1: Uh, let's start in the AFC. Um, I do think Buffalo's going to be sustainable here, and I think they're going to squeak in on the wild card there. I don't think they're going to win out against the Patriots, like you said, in about a week or two. They might lose this coming week, but after that, they're going to turn it on, and they're going to be the same old Patriots and win out and get that you know, first or second seed, get that home buy. So, I think they're still there. So, I got B- Buffalo going in as a wild card team. And I think Tennessee's going to pull it out and get the wild card as well. Um, I just don't see them slowing down that offense now that they've got it running. And if they can keep that up, their defense is good enough to keep them in games. And I don't see the Colts taking over that. And I, I don't think Tennessee's going to overtake Houston uh, for the division, but I think they'll get that wild card spot.
0: I tend to agree with you, man. I, I think Tennessee's gonna find a way to get it done. I don't think they win the division either, but I think they're gonna wind up being the sixth seed and I like Buffalo at the five. So let's look at the NFC now. Uh who you think's making the wild card over on that
1: side of the fence. Man, I yeah, I gotta go with the Vikings and the um the Seattle Seahawks right now. I I want to say the Vikings can overtake Green Bay for the division there. But Green Bay is finding ways to win. And if they keep finding ways to win, uh, it's going to come down to that matchup. I think it's in two weeks, Green Bay versus Minnesota, the second-to-last game of the season. It's going to come down to that match. And uh, who knows what's going to happen. But I'm going to go with Minnesota and Seattle as the wild cards here. I don't think anyone else has a real chance. And if it's not Minnesota and Seattle, it's going to be Green Bay and San Francisco.
0: Uh, You know, I I don't disagree with you at all. Honestly, I think what we've got right now, the way these six are lining up—San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota—I kind of think that may be how it ends. I, I really, yeah. I really think everything holds serve in the NFC, and that's going to be a stacked playoff, man. I mean, you, it's going to be fun. I mean, the, the worst team is going to be Dallas by far, and you know what? Though they're dangerous enough, they could still they they can mess with somebody's lunch and, and win a game and just really you know screw this whole thing up. Uh, but I think the NFC is is so evenly stacked. It's going to see, be so fun to watch, and then it'll be neat to see if they get up against one of those two AFC juggernauts, New England or, or Baltimore. If anybody can unseat them, you know, we we all thought, you know, maybe hey, the Rams might could do it last year, you know, but no, nope, they they couldn't get it done when it came <laughs> down to it, right? And, and you know, all that high flying offense did, didn't matter in that Super Bowl. So we'll see if it comes comes to fruition, and then be real curious to see what the 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 outcome is, you know, for some of these coaches and how it all. Goes as we get to the end of the season. So, Brian, thanks for being on the Gridiron Breakdown again. We'll check up with you when it is actually playoff time and have you on. We'll do some game picks and all that kind of good stuff. But till then, tell folks how they can follow your other interests on the internet and the other stuff that you're involved in.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jay. It's been a blast. Um, looking forward to kind of looking at the end of the season at what we picked and then seeing where it landed because I think that's going to be interesting as well. But uh, you can follow me. I do a vinyl records. Uh, blog type thing on youtube you can find brian's vinyl records on youtube and k- check them out every monday with the, my latest additions to my vinyl collection i'm also on twitter at brian's vinyl rec i'm on facebook brian's vinyl records and also i have a personal uh, twitter you can follow i don't really use it a whole lot but you can if you want it's uh, brian thomas 878 on twitter fantastic well thanks again for joining
0: in All right, Alan. So we've updated everybody in the NFL standings. It's time to get into the extended lightning round and talk about the rest of these conference championships. And hey man, let's start down home with our guys, the Southeastern Conference, Georgia, 12 and 1, getting ready to take on undefeated 12 0 LSU. Who you got in this one?
2: Well, I mean, Georgia has a great defense, but they're they're really banged up on offense, and their offense hadn't been that great this year. So I think LSU is on a mission. I think LSU will win this game. Uh, I like LSU to win 34-21. to 21.
0: You know, man, I, 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 I've been thinking about this so long, and I, I've gone from everything that I think LSU is going to put points on these guys and they're just going to mess them up and George is too beat up and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, There's something weird about this game that just leads me to think that Georgia might make this a lot more uncomfortable than everybody thinks. I think they might hold a lead in this. They might make LSU really uncomfortable. But here's the difference in the game for me. Joe Burrow has not missed when LSU's needed a big play, whether on the ground or through the air. This year, he's always produced. So I'm going to pick LSU, but I'm going to pick them super close in this one. I think they win it 24 to 20 over Georgia. I think we got a low scoring affair that's really uncomfortable for a while, but ultimately LSU wins. We go to the ACC over here in Charlotte, where Clemson's going to be in town to take on UVA, who broke a 15 year streak by beating Virginia Tech last week. That was a huge win for the Hoos, and they're. Their reward is to go and be slaughtered by an angry and upset Dabo who thinks nobody respects his team, and that's about as tired a narrative as Jim uh, Harbaugh's you know anti uh, media campaign as well. Look, man, Clemson's the better team all around. I think they're going to move the ball every way they want to, and they're going to win the game pretty big. I got Clemson in this one, forty-four thirteen.
2: Yeah, there are still good seats available at low low prices, folks. So if you know you're into snuff films, uh, feel free to pick up a ticket. Yeah, Clemson's going to dump truck them. Clemson's playing really good ball. I like Clemson 45 to 10.
0: All right, we go to the Big 10. Ohio State is taking on Wisconsin in this game. We've we've seen this movie before and I I, I don't know, man. Are we going to see something different this time?
2: Well, I mean, Michigan did show um, you know, some ways that the Ohio State defense has some deficiencies. You're not playing this game in the horseshoe. But, you know, as, as good as Wisconsin maybe played since being exposed in that game, it, here's the deal. J.K. Dobbins is the real deal. He is dynamic. I imagine Ohio State's just going to pound the rock and lean on him. I like Ohio State to win. It'll be closer than it was last time. I'm going to take Ohio State a 35-17. to 17.
0: All right, I like Ohio State here, man, for all the reasons you just said. I think they can lean and pound the ball with J.K. Dobbins, let Fields make some big throws, and then their defense can can hang on. and And they did pretty good against Jonathan Taylor last time. I think they'll do good again this time. I've got Ohio State pretty comfortably, thirty one to ten. We go to the American, which is an actual rematch last week. So Memphis beat Cincinnati last week, and now they get to do it again. And I got to tell you, you know that old adage about it's hard to beat somebody twice. I think it strikes home here. Cincinnati had a chance in that game they finally found something uh, more consistent at quarterback give me the Bearcats in the upset here I like them to win this one 27-24 over Memphis
2: yeah I mean I think this game being same two teams two weeks in a row here's the thing Cincinnati hung around in that game and it was close uh if you take away those turnovers early in the game Cincinnati might win this game I like Cincinnati to win, 28-27, to 27,
0: and right. win the American. All right, we both picked Cincinnati to win the American. We go to the Mountain West, another rematch. Boise State taking on Hawaii. They, they met earlier, and it was a score fest. What's it going to be like this time?
2: Well, you know, this is round two in Boise of these two same teams. Um, you know, here, here's what it really comes down to for me. Um, I think Boise has the better defense. It's supposed to be cold and rainy. I think that's going to slow the Rainbow Warriors' offense. And while their defense has been playing better, I think that Boise can run the ball better. So please, Mr. Rolovich, don't take my fan card, but I'm taking Boise to win 38-31. to 31.
0: I'm going to pull the not-so-fast on you, my man. I like Hawaii in this one for the reason you said. Defense. Hawaii's defense is outstanding, and defense travels, and as you like to tell me, it is weatherproof. Boise's beat up, and I think Hawaii takes advantage this time and gets it done. I'm going to pick Hawaii 27-25 over Boise State to win the Mountain West. And how about that? Ten wins for Hawaii? I would love that. That would be fantastic. We go to the Maction Bowl, where it's Central Michigan taking on Miami of ohio and i gotta tell you man, you got a couple of even teams here really but for me central is playing much better the chippewas have got a really good team i like them over miami in this one 27 14 i think their offense is just gonna be too much for uh the uh, the miami ohio team
2: yeah i mean central michigan has the better passing attack i like it a little higher scoring than you do i like uh central michigan win 31 to 21
0: all right, we go to the Sun Belt, or as they call it, the Fun Belt down there. Appalachian State taking on Louisiana. This was a real close one last time, dude. I mean, it was only 17-7. to 7. How's it going to go down uh, this time around? Well, Jay, this is actually a rematch of a great regular season game. that App State needed a
2: 19-play, 97-yard drive that took 10 minutes off the clock to salt away a win. I expect another defensive classic. It's hard to beat a team twice, but I like App
0: State at home in Boone. I like them to win 17-16. to 16. I like App State in this one too, man. They've just been too good. Louisiana's a good team, but I'm going to take Appalachian State 14-13 in this one. And I think, I think you'll see another one of those long drives in this. The Conference USA Championship is up, and it's our buddy Lane Kiffin taking on Bill Clark at UAB, FAU and UAB in this one, man. I, I think this is going to be a really competitive game. And say what you will, both of these coaches have done magnificent work at the programs that they took over. Bill Clark took over a program that didn't exist anymore. I mean, they had it taken away and then got it resurrected, zombied back, and has won tons of games. Lane Kiffin, when he took over, man, they they were like a 3-8 and team. They won nine games. They they won 5-7 and last year. They lost on the last second field goal to Charlotte. They're coming back this year doing much better. Lane's talking for some of these coach openings that are out there. I like the Owls here, man. I think Florida Atlantic's got something going on offense, but I think it's going to be close. I'll take Florida Atlantic 24, UAB 21.
2: Well, here's the thing, Jay. Boko's really nice this time of year, and Lane may be additioning for another job. Uh, UAB's a great story. They run the ball really well. But FAU leads the country. They force 29 turnovers. Um, I think that'll be UAB's Achilles heel. I like FAU
0: 38-20. to 20. All right, so we don't differ on too many games this week. We'll see how they go down. Based on what we're picking here, man, I I honestly think the Final Four is going to be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Utah. That's what I'm going to predict is going to be our Final Four playoff teams. What do you want to put out there as your playoff prediction?
2: Uh, I think you got it nailed. If Utah wins and if LSU wins, I think Utah is in. I think they're going to get some pub for the Oregon win and the Arizona State win, which is probably better than anything Oklahoma has just because Texas has been a mess. And, you know, could you tell me who the third best team in the Big 12 is? So I think that's spot on. Um you know, we'll see. I feel bad for LSU having to draw Clemson early, but we can talk about that at another time.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I I don't think the committee respects Baylor at all, and maybe that's you know that's a mistake. But you know, who's to say at this point? Uh, but yeah, uh, I just don't think they're going to get enough pub. I don't think Oklahoma will get enough having even beaten them twice uh, to do it. Though it is impressive that they did beat them on the road, and and, and they will essentially beat them on the road twice because it's a neutral site for the Big Twelve title. But I'm with you. I think Utah's just been more consistent, and they're going to end up with the better win, beating a really good good Oregon team at the end of the year. Man, I'm excited about the the end of the season coming. I mean, I hate to see football go, but the bowl season's always a lot of fun because, man, bowls can be really unpredictable because nowadays, man, if you're not in one of the, like, the playoff bowls or the big-time bowls, a lot of times if you've got dudes getting ready to go to the pros, they're sitting out, so you don't know who's going to play in the game. <laughs> I mean, that's because you guys are, like, having major hip surgery and stuff like that in Alabama, so... Well, we'll see what comes down the bowl pipeline. We'll be here at the Gridiron Breakdown and talk about it with you folks, of course, next week. Thanks again for listening. Go to anchor.fm slash Gridiron Breakdown. You'll find feeds where you can find the show. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on you know Stitcher. Wherever you find podcasts, you're going to find the Gridiron Breakdown. Leave us a review. Share the show uh, on social media with other people. It helps people find the show. You can also find us on Facebook, the Gridiron Breakdown uh, page there. Like the page, and you'll get updates when we l- launch new shows and have other stuff Going around, like we said, we got Brian on to talk a little NFL this week, Alan. We you and I've talked to, wrapped up the college football season next week when we're back, man. We'll, we'll be talking about the playoffs. We'll be talking about some of these bowl seeds, and I guess we'll talk a little Heisman and some of that other stuff. And there's a lot of coaching changes open too, man. I mean, Arkansas's open, Missouri's open, Old Miss is open, Florida State's open at this point. UNLV's open, New Mexico. Rutgers did go ahead and hire Greg Schiano, so that one's closed. Chris Peterson stepped down at Washington, man, and handed the reins over to defense coordinator Jimmy Lake. That was a big shakeup out in the Pac-12.
2: Yeah, I didn't see that, but I guess he just doesn't want to coach football for his life like some of these other guys do. I can respect that, but uh, I'm sure the carousel will get crazier as you see some of these jobs open up and uh, they're there's still a chance some more people get fired. So, oh, yeah. Never
0: know. Yeah, the domino effect is not even started yet. I think we're going to see a lot more of that come to fruition as the season goes. And again, folks, we'll be here to talk about all of it with you here on the Gridiron Breakdown. So, until next time, for Alan, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. The Gridiron Breakdown theme is Sports Time Tonight by Phil Gerard, Reed Hayes, and Scott P. Share Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from from our hosts. I didn't say anybody scared out there. I'm saying fear. Now, y'all scared to ask another question. <laughs>